Marty Stevens and Brad Slater. Stevens and Slater filling in for Low Tide and Ooh, Declan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little macho good? man. Pretty good macho All right. man. All right. Cream of the crop. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy of the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Plus, you get $4,000 in cash. Speaking of our macho man, we've got him on the line right now. Former CBC producer. I hope I got that right, but I do, do know for sure he is Low Tide's jam and pie guy. Let's say hi to Steve Lansky. Hey, Steve. <laughs> How you doing? I am good. You are the Low Tide's jam and pie guy, right? It sounds that way. I, I don't know that I want that title, but I'm not <laughs> against it, so we'll play it for now. All right. As long as it's not in the in a paper bag in the parking lot, you should be fine. Just keep it all and on the up and up, and it'll be good. If it is, if it is, you'll never know. <laughs> that is true. So you saw the game last night, I'm guessing, with the Oilers? I did. What did you think? How do you think they played compared to last time we were in San Jose? <sighs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, I, 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 can't, I can't figure this team out other than to say... When they play like they know they have to play, I think they're really hard to beat. The yeah. problem is they don't seem to have figured out how to unfailingly throw that switch. But if they figure that out, I mean, I'm looking at Darnell Nurse, and I am shocked at how this guy has completely changed his game. Instead of taking 10,000 strides, he takes 14 strides, never does anything wrong, stays in his lane, does what he's supposed to do, no cut in a position. Took a hit last it's night. Like, it's like he's a different guy. Yeah. He's how, a different guy. Well, how much credit do we have to give to Paul Coffey then? We're all, I know myself, a lot of people doubting Paul Coffey. Oh, my God, what's this guy going to do in the bench? The defense has changed. Uh, how much credit to Paul Coffey? 117%. <laughs> That's how much credit to Paul Coffey. And I say, I'll, I'll give Darnell those credit. Because when Paul Coffey talks, to be very honest with you, I'd shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. You know, his name's still in the record book. So many places, he must have been doing something right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I know we had a former teammate on his, and he said Paul Coffey was always a great communicator in the dressing room. Like, Yeah, and you know what? It's not a skill you lose. You don't get worse as a communicator as you get older. You get better. And I'll tell you what, Paul went through a lot of crap in his years in Edmonton. There's no other way to say it. For him to, A, be willing to step back behind this bench, and B, be willing to do the job that he's doing, I mean, I loved him anyway. I really love him now. You were around the team a lot back then when Coffee was with him. How was he with the media? Um, hot and cold. Yeah. You didn't, yeah, you didn't, uh, that's a great question. You didn't want to get too close. You didn't want to poke the bear sometimes. Um, I was very lucky. I produced the game where he broke Bobby Orr's record, April second, nineteen eighty-six. Scored the goal against the Canucks, and that was a that was a huge moment for him to show everybody, like, hey, this guy is—he doesn't just rack up points; he can beat one of the best. But he was Paul was hot and cold, and and I wouldn't say Paul had an outgoing personality because he didn't. Right. And I think he's grown a lot, too, as a person, too, since uh, since he left Edmonton and jumped around a bit through the league. So he, he's grown up a bit. And uh, if you've got, you said, like you're right, if you have that gift of communication and can break things down easily for everyone to understand, that's what helps. And if you don't grow, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And I, he, he, he obviously has been. I mean, I've seen him. I've met him a bunch of times, talked to him a bunch of times since he retired. Um, but, yeah, he's obviously growing, and that's never a bad thing. 
There you go. Earlier in the show, um, I'm sure you were riveted to listening, but we had John Bucci-Gross on from uh, ESPN, play-by-play man, of course, as you would know. Um, I know I asked him a question. I said, as a play-by-play guy, can you watch a game without doing play-by-play in his head? And he said he can. Now, I know you're an ex-producer with CBC. I have a feeling you can't turn off your producer head when you're watching a game on TV. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, do you like being lied to? Because you were lied to this morning. <laughs> There's no chance he watches a game without thinking, oh, I, I like what he said there. Oh, I never would have said that. No, Not no, he said he does do that a bit, but I was thinking more yeah. about, does he like say, oh, pass to the point, pass in the corner. Like, is he doing that play-by-play yeah. play or not? But yeah, you, you, you got lied to, dude. Um, I, no, I can't. Well, of course I can't watch it. I can't watch a feature film in a theater <laughs> without directing it. Like, it's just not possible. You can't, I, I just, there is no mechanism to yeah. turn it off because yeah. you see things that nobody else sees. Well, it's like, <laughs> watch it, watch a train wreck and then pretend you didn't see it. Yeah. It's not possible. Yeah, you know too much. Yeah, that's it. It's, once you know what goes in the sausage, you're never eating the sausage. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Yeah. No, I, I know you, you're big on the history of play-by-play and how it all works. If you could go... Present day history combine one color commentator with a play by play guy. Who would you? What would be your dream team? Maybe it already happened. Maybe it's out there. But if you could combine them, what would it be for you? Bob Cole and Harry Neal was hard to beat. Oh, it, Harry Neal was it, so good. Yeah, it really was. So I, you know, I could say Bob Cole and Mike Johnson, but Mike Johnson doesn't have the humor that Harry Neal had. And the the thing I love so much about Harry Neal was there's a lot of guys. Oh my God, dozens who are really funny and clever off the air. And then you put them on the air, and they're just, they become vanilla. Harry was just the same off the air as he was on the air. Yeah. If, it came into his, if it came into his mind, you, you know, a quick Harry Neal story. We're driving in from the airport from Pittsburgh, and we're just sitting in the car reading the paper. Harry's in the front. Me and Jim Huff, the director and the producer, are in the back. And I don't know if you've ever been to Pittsburgh from the airport. You drive through this Fort Pitt tunnel. It's really beautiful. You come out on the other side, and you can see all of Pittsburgh in front of you. And we come out, and it's just gorgeous. And Harry, just out of nowhere, looks back and goes, hey, boys. And we look at him, and he goes, where do you say we head down to Three Rivers Stadium? You guys can throw a few balls in and watch me jerk a few out. (laughs) And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Like, how did this pop even into his head? And I can still remember the moment, but he just had these spurts of energy and entertainment, and he had them on the air. And, I mean, him and Coley were great. I'm not sure he'd work with every play-by-play guy, but I thought they were perfect because Coley was no nonsense, and Harry was (laughs) almost all nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, but but while still getting his point across, and you could feel the love for the game from from Harry, too, the way he described things. And even if it was a humorous, it it was really great. Harry did love the game. That's exactly right. He played college hockey, coached college hockey. He coached in the WHA. Harry lived for the game. And you're right. It came out of every pore. John Davidson was similar. But to me, Harry would be my guy. Steve, you were talking about Paul Coffey a few minutes ago, and I got to go back to the 80s. When you were down in the truck underneath, can you tell our listeners about the, the secret Gretzky passageway that he would sometimes duck out of when he didn't want to talk to the media every night? Like, I tried to find it when I was doing the Oil King games there back in the day, and I asked and asked, and no one would ever show me. And I, I know it exists, but uh, what do you know about that? I, I don't know about it. Um, we were lucky because we were, you know, the broadcaster of record, either Hockey Night in Canada or ITV. So we, 
we were very careful and judicious about who we interviewed. So let's say Wayne had a great game. He had four points, but Dave Lumley had two goals and an assist. Well, we'd take Lummer because he's not going to get interviewed a bunch of times live post-game during the season. So you had to pick your spots with Wayne. You got Wayne for one pre-tape during the season, maybe two. You got Wayne for one interview during an intermission during the season. And you just didn't request him otherwise because you wanted to keep that respect level between you and the team. I'd kind of forgotten all about that. Was it hard and to explain to your boss that, that, hey, why, why didn't we get Wayne audio? Why, why are we talking? Did, was it hard to explain that, or, or did they get it back then too? Like, like today, if I was to go down to Oilers Skate and not talk to Connor and, and go talk to, I don't know, just talk to Ryan McLeod and say he didn't score four goals in his last four shots, I'd come back to work here and they'd be like, hey, where's the, where's the McDavid? Where's the dry settle tape? Was there any pushback back then? No, two different questions, because when you're on a live broadcast, you're basically interrupting a guy while he's at work. So John Shannon, who was our producer in Calgary, and me, we understood the uh, Gretzky uh, thought process. And, and we, we didn't do it with any other stars mostly, but he was the one. I mean, when we went into Pittsburgh, we'd want Mario Lemieux. Well, everybody wanted Mario Lemieux. So we actually had to explain to other guys in the company how it was going to work and why you weren't going to get Gretzky every game and why you had to pick your spots. And we did Gretzky last week, so don't ask for him this week because you're not going to get him. Okay. It, was, it was a bit we, – we were a bit protective because we had to work with the Oilers, and that was really important to us. Yeah, and those were big names back then. You're right. You can't have Gretzky on every single week because he could have been right. on every single week. He was probably a star right. almost every game. Right, and it wasn't fair to him and it wasn't fair to the team, and quite frankly, it wasn't fair to the other 22 guys. Yeah, that's right. You got to spread that love around. You don't want to create so the, anybody. The game starts at six. You show up. Walk us through like a typical night for you back then. It's it's nineteen eighty eight. The Oilers are playing in the second round of the playoffs. What you show up? What was a t- typical night for you? And and when did you get out of there? It was a full time day. So uh, let's say the game was at Edmonton. We'd have a breakfast meeting at the Western Hotel at probably eight o'clock, and everybody would be down there. You'd be dressed like you were going to the rink. So assuming there were two game day skates, visiting team and then the home team, um, we would probably leave that meeting at 10 o'clock. We'd take cabs up to the Coliseum. We'd go to both skates and we would talk during the skates and I'd walk around and I'd see PR people. And if I saw a player that I knew we might want to interview that night, we would, you know, I'd just touch base with them. Certainly touch base with the visiting PR guy. You go back to the hotel. Um, I don't know if I'm proud of this or not, but I would watch The Young and the Restless. And <laughs> well, then, Victor and Newman then, got me too, man. Uh, well, if, if, if you were watching Nikki and Victor, you weren't doing it right. I was <laughs> and, Days of uh, Our Lives with Bo and Billy and all that. Going oh, on. I don't want to hear that. It's The Young and the Restless or nothing. And then, uh, so I'd probably be at the hotel till 2 o'clock, and then we'd probably have a fact check at like 3 o'clock, which is a facility check. So you'd go back and make sure all your cameras and all your mics and equipment were working. We'd have some pre-packed time from about 3 until 4.30. Then we'd have a meal break for an hour. Then we'd come back, and depending on when the game started, we would have full facts, and we would do pre-tapes, we would do openings, we would do teases, we would feed stuff to Toronto. If we were in Edmonton, uh, maybe we were a national game, maybe we weren't. They'd drop the puck at 7 o'clock. We'd do the game. The game ended. It depended which game of the series it was. It was game three. We knew we were staying for game four. Game one, we knew we were staying for game two. Sometimes the game would end. We'd already have packed our bags that (laughs) that 
afternoon when I came to the fact check, we'd get on a charter, we'd go straight to the airport from the rink. It was a very, I remember one day we landed in Chicago at 4.30 in the morning and we sent an Oilers Blackhawks game that night. So that was a really, really long day, that one. And that, that old building must have been great to broadcast from, I think, because I love that old building. You're so close to the ice surface. The, um, the media ring up top was right on top of the ice surface as well. The cameras are right up there, right below on the mid-blues, just at the first row. So it must have been great. You're talking about the Coliseum? Yeah, the Coliseum, yeah. Yeah, the biggest problem was the benches were on the same side as the camera. So oh. when you look at Roger's place, right, the lead camera, one and two, yeah. they're across from the benches, so you can get player shots all you want. Uh, on ITV and on Hockey Night, we were stuck with camera five between the benches on ITV with a camera guy named Wayne Noga. Yeah, right where Louie is, right? Yeah, is Nick, uh, well, yes. Yeah, but the problem was on the same side as the benches. So basically, all you could get was profile. Mm. Oh, that's and, why we always see those pictures, and it's just a profile of the bench. I've always wondered got that. It. <laughs> you got it. We didn't have a camera on the other side. Occasionally, we'd get a reverse angle camera, but we had to pay for it. And Toronto, being oh, Toronto. in the wisdom, yeah, steeped in the wisdom that they were, didn't understand why you needed a reverse camera. And it was really hard on the director because you'd have a close up of somebody. The whistle would go. Let's say you had Mike Krzyzewski, ready five, take five, and then somebody would stand up in front of him. Well, you're pooched. <laughs> You have nowhere to go. Yeah. You have no chance to get that shot. So I, I felt for our director, Ron, Ron Brown, a lot of times, and Larry Brown was our director on Hockey Day. I felt for them a lot of times because you just couldn't get that, that shot that you wanted. Yeah, yeah. I, I never thought of that, but that is very cool because every time they show highlights of the 80s on the bench, it's always a profile. So now I know why. Thanks for, thanks for enlightening us. You bet. I'm glad Lotai took this day off. Steve, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate <laughs> it. We'll let you get back to that Team Canada game, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again. Have a good New Year. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. That was a Low Tide's Jam and Pie guy, Steve Lansky, former CBC producer. You're listening to Lowdown Low Down with uh, Stevens and Slater, and we will be back. Stevens and Slater filling in here for Low Tide and Declan this afternoon on Low Down, and joining us right now from Oilers Nason, Tyler Uremchuk. How are you, Tyler? I am good, gentlemen. Hope you're having fun in the host chair. No, we are. We haven't destroyed the station yet. And they asked us to come back today, so (laughs) we don't know about tomorrow because there is no tomorrow. But, you know, our confidence is, uh, I'd say, all-time high. Yeah, we'll see how this segment goes, Taylor. Or Tyler, sorry. See how I screwed up your name, so we're already in trouble. We're done now. Yeah. We're talking about the Oilers a bit. Of course, big win last night, but what a difference between last time we played in San Jose. Oh, yeah. I mean, that last loss to the Sharks. I think when we look back on the story of this season, that loss to the Sharks will be rock bottom, right? Like a game where that Sharks team at the time, historically terrible. They were pacing for like eight wins on the year. That's the game that got Jay Woodcroft fired. Um, That was rock bottom. So last night may be a sign that this team is getting pretty far from rock bottom, I guess. (laughs) When you look at the way January could, could go for this group, like this could be the start of a pretty big turnaround stretch. Yeah, it's, it's all it's a little bit crazy and so similar in some ways to last year with uh, New York. Kind of last year we turned around in New York, the Ranger game, and uh, this year went back. New York came back with the Islanders and the Rangers. So yeah, very some big simulations or sim- similarities, I should say. Yeah, a little bit. And the nice part about this stretch, and I got a piece coming up at Oilers Nation probably later today, early tomorrow. Not sure when it's releasing, but when you break down this next run of games from now till the end of January into kind of three game samples. It's very easy to see how the Oilers, like the bar should be win two of every three here for the next four or five weeks. And if they do that, when you look at how muddy the Western conference playoff picture is, it's very easy to see how they could be 
sitting not just in a playoff spot, but potentially comfortably in a playoff spot by the end of the month. Yeah, and very doable, too. I think in the next seven games, we only play two teams that are in the playoffs. So. Yeah, exactly. Like I did, I looked at it, and maybe two teams you'd consider elite, the LA Kings and the Toronto Maple Leafs in that stretch of 14 games. And I counted five games against teams you'd consider lottery teams, two against Chicago, one against Columbus, um, and you have a few others mixed in there as well. Tyler, with Christmas just passing and, and the Oilers needing some help going towards the uh, the trade deadline here, who would you want under the Edmonton Oilers Christmas tree, um, player-wise, goaltending-wise, third-line center, defense? Who's that one person under the tree that you wish the Oilers could have uh, going into the second half here? Whew. That's a tough one because, I mean, right now it's – and today I was listening to Gregor and Sarah Volley talk about this a little bit. Like, how many teams in the West would you consider a true, like, guaranteed like, – they will be a seller at the deadline? Like, there are not that many. San Jose, Chicago, Anaheim, and that's about it. And the Sharks don't have a whole heck of a lot that I think you'd be interested in. I don't think the Hawks would either. The Ducks, maybe a guy like Adam Henrique, but he's expensive. Out East, it's not much different. It's like Columbus and Montreal might be a seller. Everyone else, you get the sense they want to make a push at some point. So the market's weird in terms of trying to find a good fit right now. The nice thing, if you want to look at recent history for the Oilers, at this time last year, it didn't sound like Matthias Ekholm was going to be anything close yeah. to a possibility. That started happening in the new year, right? So someone will fall out. Someone we're not even thinking or dreaming of right now will become available. One name I'm somewhat interested in is Nick Dowd out in Washington. He's a lowercase ad. This isn't a guy who's going to cost you a first-round pick. But if you're looking for this year's Nick Bukestad, I think a player mm-hmm. like Nick Dowd could be that guy. If you really wanted me to get wild with this and give you my – Matthias Ekholm-esque addition, a guy who right now doesn't sound like he's going to be available at all, but you never know. It's Boone Jenner in Columbus. Edmonton and Columbus have been scouting each other a little bit. If you want a guy who could either, you know, maybe he could be your second-line center, and then you could pair up McDavid and Dreisaitl and not be worried about what's happening on line two, but Boone Jenner is that guy. He's got a great contract. He's got two more seasons at $3.75 million dollars. He plays good in both ends of the ice. He can score goals, kill penalties, be a net front guy on the power play. And that contract would make him so valuable to this Oilers team. If you want a dream target, it's Boone Jenner. Boone Jenner. He's got a great name. That's a hockey name right there. Boone Jenner. He's going to score some goals on the name alone. Now, we want to talk a bit about uh, sports stories. The year, the year's wrapping up. We talked about under the Christmas tree. Let's look into the new year, going into 2024, but looking back at 23. What were some top stories for you? Yeah, so I've been chewing on this a little bit, and I think there are some great stories from a perspective of history, especially here in Edmonton. It almost, in a weird way, didn't get talked about enough how historic last year was for Connor McDavid. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're numb to it, but yeah. that was a 150-point season. That hadn't happened yet this century. That is insane, and it happened in our backyard, in you know the rink downtown that we watch 41 games a year at, like, what Connor McDavid did last year is historic, and what we're seeing this year, he's still having an amazing season. He's probably not going to get close to 150 points. Like last year might be one of the best years by Connor McDavid, who's going to go down as one of the best players all time. So that's definitely up there in terms yeah. of like a positive. Story. Just the goals he scored. I don't think he got enough recognition for those goals. 63 goals, unbelievable. Yeah, he blinked and <laughs> went from what never being a 50 goal guy to being one of the few 60 goal guys we've seen in the last decade. Absolutely insane, but in a darker way, I think last year is kind of more 
better encapsulated with the tragedies. Do you think back, no story gripped not just the sporting world, but the entire world. Nothing gripped it more than the DeMar Hamlin situation. I mean, that was a night where it was a primetime game in the NFL. Primetime NFL games always end up being like right all in the top 50 for most viewed TV, uh, TV events in the States. And a guy basically died on the field and had to be resuscitated. Like nothing gripped North America more than that. And then if you want to look in the hockey world as well, Adam Johnson died playing a professional hockey game. So mm-hmm. while there's plenty of positives, when I thought about the biggest stories and the moments that grabbed me the most, in a weird way, it's those two. And maybe it's just a reminder that we shouldn't take these professional athletes and what they're putting on the line for granted. Yeah, they're human beings. Sometimes we forget that. Yeah, totally. And in the day and age, and you know, I'm part of that too, of you know, betting and fantasy sports and all of that, you almost get even more detached from the human <laughs> elements. And if you're just a fan, like I feel like I have more of a human connection to the guys on the Oilers because I want them to win and they control, you know, my emotional state on a night to night basis. But man, just especially that DeMar Hamlin thing and watching the way all those players on the field reacted to it and everything that went into it, it was a real sobering reminder. And I think that's got to be the biggest sports story of the year. There you go. Yeah, that is a good one. Thank you, Tyler. We appreciate your time. I know you got to run, so we will we'll cut you loose. But I know for one thing, Lotai does not want the Oilers trading any more first-round picks. That's one note he left us as well. No first-round pick trades. So that's well, off the board. Th- well, you're not getting Boone Jenner if you don't give up a first, so you know where I come out on that. All right. Well, that's a, a debate you can have with him in the new year. We appreciate it, Tyler. Have a good time, and uh, we will see you next year on the radio. Happy New Year. All right. That is Tyler Yamchuk for Oilers from Oilers Nation. You can check out all his stuff there. I believe he said he had an article that just went up today. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide, brought to you by Wolf GMC. We'll take a st- no, we got a sports update. Is that what? No, what's happening right now, Brad? Nothing. We get a fill for ten minutes. Oh, we got a fill for ten minutes. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I saw here. the panic in your eyes. Oh no. no okay, panic. well, let's talk about our top sports stories. I, I have one that no one's mentioned so far. Right. It was something that didn't get picked on that I thought was going to get ripped apart. I, I like the move that the Major League Baseball did this season with not allowing the shift and then bringing in the pitch clock. A lot of the problems I hear from fans and, and sports listeners uh, all over is baseball games are too long. They're too slow. Uh, I can't sit there and watch it. It's boring. Let's pick it up. They introduced this clock. We got games at like two hours and 10, 15 minutes now. So uh, for me, I I think the moves that the Major League Baseball did and them not getting ripped apart by fans and actually being accepted is uh, was a huge sports story for me this year. Yeah, it was, and it worked. It worked. They they said they were going to do all this. I'm like, okay, let's see if it works. And they don't ever make changes. Major League Baseball uh, is scared to do anything. Sorry, Al, about your expos. But, you know, (laughs) it's just, yeah. Yeah, it worked, and it worked well. So that was a seamless one and a great one, too. So I made a list. I think I did five of each, but I kind of did a Canada and an Edmonton. Okay. So I'll go through my list. You can comment. So this we'll do Canada first, and then we'll narrow it down to Edmonton. Uh, the senior men's basketball team defeating the USA in a basketball game to win a bronze medal in the World Cup. That's phenomenal. We never beat them in basketball. No, and we never get exposure or love for basketball. And I have to say, one of the games you watch the NBA draft every year, I do, you're hearing... From Canada, mm-hmm. from more Canada, and more. more and more. And they're not players that are just going down to sit on the bench. They're making impacts in games and making decisions and shots that are winning games. So as a Canadian who likes basketball, couldn't be happier. Yeah. Uh, my next one was the first overall draft pick. He's living up to the hype, Connor yeah. Bernard. He Unbelievable. Is, yeah. Uh, just alone, I, I know everyone like me knows I collect sports cards, but uh, his sports card next month's going to come out. It's going to be a $1,000 rookie card. <laughs> you don't hear that in sports anymore. And the things he's doing on the ice, that release of his shot the other night in overtime, 
he's he's doing things that hasn't been done since 97 has done them and uh, we'll see what happens yeah and, and we talked about with John Bucigros it's always good to have some exposure in the states Definitely. him being in Chicago huge city and uh, imagine a playoff matchup obviously not this year but <laughs> imagine Connor versus Connor oh. Connor v Connor oh. yeah and the other one I have down here is the launch of the first women's professional hockey league yeah. long time coming Brian glad Bergenball, it's happening yeah, yeah and uh, Toronto sold out every game so far every home game is sold out haven't played yet a great year all around for women's sports. Christine Sinclair with soccer, uh, women's volleyball, Olympics next summer. This year, women's sports and broadcasting, more voices, more faces on TV, voices on the radio. Uh, it, it's amazing, and they're providing amazing content, and I, I couldn't be happier. It's awesome. Yeah, Christine Sinclair was my next one, retiring yeah. the best female soccer player ever, not just in Canada, but in the world, right. and retired this year just recently. So. Two big retirements this year. Christine Sinclair and, and Tom Brady actually stayed retired. <laughs> He didn't come back. He did not come back. Yeah, oh, he didn't yes, make, he yes, didn't make yes. my list. But yeah, he did not come back. And uh, my last one for Canada was Nick Taylor winning the Canadian Open. First Canadian to win that in 69 years. Tons of pressure on him. He went right down to that final putt and uh, and sank it and, and won that championship. So unbelievable. I'm, I'm having a brain fart right now. But who was that head pro golfer that came on the PGA Tour for that one weekend? And he, he the first two rounds, he did okay. And then the third oh, yes. round, he hit the hole in one house or home or something. Yeah, I can't remember time. his name either. Yeah, That was an amazing story for golf. And, and to see that happen and you're like, hey, this pro is coming on the, the tour for a weekend. Right. And then the first round, he hung in there. Yeah. Second round, hung in there. Third round fell apart, but the hole-in-one was what everyone was... It was like Happy Gilmore. Yeah. That first round. Yeah. I think he was like a a pro at an Arizona golf course or something, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then Roy walks up at the end. uh, Yeah. Yeah. How exactly did he finish? Yeah, right. Dead last. (laughs) But it can happen. That's one neat thing about golf. They have such a big field. Anything can happen on any weekend. So that was a cool one. Uh, Edmonton, you want to talk about Edmonton and the sports highlights here in the city? Yeah, I think the highlight, well, you got to touch on the low light, but we'll go to a highlight. (laughs) I think the turnaround for the Edmonton Elks. Um, I think Trey Ford emerging as a quarterback is a great story. I think you have to sign him and lock him up. Um, I think the fans need to come back to the stadium. They need to, I think closing down the roof next year and the upper deck and bringing the fans and the atmosphere down uh, is going to be amazing. Uh, Chris Jones is already working on the team and the talent, bringing in players right now, looking at players to bring in, looking at NFL rosters, XFL rosters. So I am very excited as an Elks fan going into next season because I honestly think this team is going to make the playoffs next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if this team goes to the Gray Cup next year. Just because oh, the way I'm saying it right now. Old statement. Way, uh, Chris Jones, he hates losing. <laughs> the Elks hate losing. They brought in Rick Lullisher. I have history with Rick when I uh, was a member of the Edmonton Eskimos Elks. Back in 2005, the, the Machocha time, uh, those are good people, and they're going to do good things, and, and this team's going to turn it around. And I, I think the Edmonton Elks going into next season, my biggest story next year, I think, for Edmonton. Well, be there you go. Yeah, that was on my list too, Trey Ford. I oh. one, didn't want to go on the negative yeah. of not winning any home games. I wanted to talk about the positives yeah. and Trey Ford. And then uh, Tyler Remchuk worked on the – or mentioned Connor McDavid. That was mine as well. A huge season last year, 153 points, 64 goals, 89 assists. Like, we may not see that again. No. No, he was on fire last year. And like Tyler said, he went from, we thought he maybe could score 40. He jumped up to 64. So Playoffs were cut short, though. They were, and that was another story. I almost had that on my list. but uh, I had the Blue Jays on mine, too, because there were such high expectations with Vladdy. And then after the season ends, I guess another story could be Shohei Otani this year (laughs) with his his pitching and batting and then the contract and the old LeBron James. Where will he go? What will he do? And Yeah. 
There's that one day I was in here thinking he's on his way to Toronto on an airplane. Uh, that Con- is Connor had me watching. Uh, I was watching the flight. He's dragging. <laughs> he's landing. He's landing. He's landing. Yeah. Who was on that flight? That's what I want to know. Who yeah, was the poor sucker? It was the sucker? guy from um, who was on that the shark, flight? The, the Sharks with um, oh, was Mark it? Cuban and all that. One of those guys. On oh, that one of the Shark Tank right. guys. Yeah, one of the Shark Tank guys. Never saw so much press when he got to the airport. He made a tweet. He commented about it. No Shohei Otani on this flight. <laughs> just me and my family. But thanks for your interest. That would have been hilarious yeah. being on that flight and figuring out what's what going on Super in Bowl? social media. This is Super Bowl. I know it was 10 months ago. Yeah, well, I'm talking about Edmonton. We're not talking about Super Bowl. The Super Bowl wasn't Edmonton. Save Super Bowl. Just wait. Well, let me get through my Edmonton list. All you right, can get right, to Super Bowl because right. it was a good one. I did, next on the list, I had the bad start to the season after all the hype. All we heard all offseason was the Oilers are a Stanley Cup contender. They're going, they're going. Then they just pooped the bed coming out. Came into training camp in, what, August? The whole team's here Yeah, the captain skate, yeah. all these things, all this hype, and then everything just followed, Two, fell apart. eight, ja- and one. And Jack Campbell's gone. The coaching staff is fired, Woodcroft and Manson. So, yeah. But look at us now. And look at us now. One game above 500. Yeah. Look at us now. Exactly. And then also on my list for Edmonton was great success stories. Riverhawks and the Edmonton Stingers. Great, great success story here in the city. They're selling out. They're having great nights, huge crowds, and they're just doing it the right way. So, yeah, they got to be on the list for local. Steve Hogle is doing a great job with the Riverhawks and and everything they got going down at Tells Field and everything, uh, baseball bat-sized beers everyone's getting down there. (laughs) You're getting 10,000 people out there for a summer baseball game, sitting on the berm, getting a nice tan on. It's it's great. I, I remember going to John Ducey Park. Here's a quick story. I was at John Ducey Park. In 1996, when Donovan Bailey won 9.84, the gold medal, it was a Saturday night. It was the the Saturday after was the one the relay team won. That's when the famous Canada has to love Saturday nights in Georgia call was made. But at Telus Field, every single fan was on the concourse watching an (laughs) 8x8 black and white TV, waiting in line for ice cream, uh, watching Donovan Bailey uh, to the point where the players stopped from both teams, looked around, and they paused until the race was over. And then when he won, it was ecstatic. The whole concourse, the building was just shaking because there's nowhere for the sound to go. And Donovan Bailey won a gold medal. It was I was 12. It was yeah. awesome. Very exciting. That is very cool. And then my top story are on my list. Maybe this is in a certain order. But just the launch of the radio station right yeah. here, 1440. Yeah. Great, great partnership between Stingray who is helping us out with Jason Greger, just a game in the Oilers Nation. So great partnership and great to have sports radio back. We have a good team here. Uh, We have a great, amazing bunch of listeners. We love doing this. We love bringing amazing content to you. And uh, it's only going to get bigger and better in the new year. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. You got about 32 seconds to talk about how great the Super Bowl was. I just liked it. I liked that, you know, (laughs) Philadelphia was up and then Patrick Mahomes had to come back. And then you had that terrible pass interference call late in the game that cost the game. But what was exciting about that game is every star player did something in that game. And you can't say that in many championships games. A.J. Brown, touchdown. Kelsey, catching it. Pacheco, catching it. Uh, Patty Mahomes, throwing it. Jalen Hurts, throwing it. It was just a great game. And uh, Super Bowl's fun, man. So I hope when February comes around, I, I just hope for a good game. Well, it's a good, yeah, you know what? Because the, the story is usually the Great Cup's always a great game and the Super Bowl is not. So it was, yeah. it was we had both. Great Cup was a great game this year as well, too. Halftime so. show this year is no good. <laughs> well, we're not talking about the halftime show. No, but, oh, this, this year one, yeah. for the Usher. Super Bowl. Yeah, you may know you're not a big Green fan. Day was great. Green oh. Day was great for the Great yeah, Cup, but yeah. Usher for the Super Bowl. Come no, on, you don't want. It. You're waiting for Taylor Swift. You're holding up. Oh, oh, oh. Swifty over here. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will be back on the lowdown with Low Tide with Stevens and Slater.
All right, Marty Stevens filling in here for Low Tide this afternoon. Get a well-deserved day off. Thank you very much for listening. This is powered by Wolf GMC Buick. We've got our wrestling theme songs going here on Friday. Got a few requests in on the text line as well. We're not, there's so many. We can't get into them all. Someone wanted to hear some Batista, some Eddie Guerrero. Somebody wants to hear Hillbilly Jim, which is a good one as well. And uh, there are a lot of good ones out there. So if we ever get a chance again, we'll uh, we'll try to find some more because they're, the list could, could go on and on and on. Now, this is coming up next. We're going in the community. Brought to you by United Sport and Cycle. Boxing we sail on until January 1st. 10 to 60% off store-wide. Details at unitedsport.ca. And we're going to go to the community. We're going to go to Oil Kings. We're going to talk a little Oil Kings right now. What they have coming up. Talk about wrestling theme songs. they got a big wrestling thing we're going to talk about as well. But uh, let's go right now to Kevin Radomski, Alternative Governor and Director of Business Operations for the Oil Kings. Kevin, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to excited to speak to you today. Yeah, you guys are busy out there. A couple of big trades. A couple of big trades. Yeah, if anyone's been following the Oil Kings for about the last five years, our president and general manager, Kurt Hill, he's not one for mediocrity. He uh, is mm-hmm. not afraid to make a couple of trades. And uh, yeah, actually, we we dealt uh, Calgary's own Nathan Pilling five draft picks uh, to the Seattle Thunderbirds in exchange for a pair of brothers. Actually, you don't see that very often. We got uh, we got a forward uh, Grayson uh, Souchin and his brother Lucas, and then we got another D man uh, Trace and Ashley. Nice. So those they're they're going to get in the lineup right away. How long does it take for them to? Uh, do they have to get different paperwork involved with when they're coming up from Seattle? I can tell you that Grayson was uh, was ready to go playing with us, seeing Prince George. And uh, for those keeping track, like I'm from Grand Prairie, that's that's where I I cut my teeth and. Uh, uh, we got four players from Grand Prairie on our team. So I don't know what's happening <laughs> up north, but for whatever reason, whatever they're doing in the, in the mighty peace country, our president and general manager loves what they're doing because we keep selecting players from Grand Prairie, Alberta. I think that's a pretty cool story to have a pair of brothers in our system. Very cool. Uh, Grayson, Grayson is a player now, and his brother Lucas is someone that we have eyes on in the future. We're going to have to call that the Radomski pipeline coming down from Grand Prairie. <laughs> well, only when it works, right? When it works, it's like, you know, like I was the guy that came down from Grand Prairie first, right? But, right. Uh, no, it's, it's really, really tremendous. And then, of course, we traded uh, Ronald Kovacevic in our D-Man Wojtek port. We traded them to the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, in exchange for another um, import in uh, Andre Tomashev. So uh, he's going to be joining our team as well. So right now our team, uh, we played in Prince George. Really, really good game for those who didn't follow it. We were up 4 nothing at the end of one. And uh, holding on, we had a 6-4 finish. So I'm telling you, it was a great finish. And then we're, we're into BC now. So we're playing uh, Victoria-Vancouver. And then we dipped down to the USA for a quick game. And then uh, Kelowna, Kamloops, Calgary, and then back home. Oh, there you go. And I know one of the exciting things with the team right now, too, I think before you guys left, is uh, Aginla joined the team. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny. Like, when, when, you, when you meet you know, all these young players, and you're like, he's 15 years old. And when he played his first game, he's so polite. And his demeanor, his, his mannerism like yes sir no sir it was actually really cute after his first in his first period we we pulled him and we had an interview uh for radio and i explained to him i said just you know this is live radio so i said just make sure that you know what you're saying is kosher like there's no no swearing 
And he looks at me, he's, yes, sir. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. and, he, and he didn't swear. He was great. And, you know, he, he played two games for us here at home, assisted in his first game, beautiful goal in his second game. The kid's 15 years old. Like, it's just we're so, so excited to have uh, Mr. Aginla's son uh, join our team. And uh, I'll tell you, he earns every every stripe. He's given nothing. He earns it all. And we're so excited. The future is very bright with players like Joe Aginla. Well, I know he probably hates comparisons all the time with the last name Aginla, but how does he compare to his dad? Is he the same position or what? what's the, what's the similarities there? You know what? I think one of the biggest similarities and probably the biggest compliment I can get give him is the fact that he's never satisfied. Like even as a young man, you know he's he's already uh, come into the WHL as a young player, gets into his first game, and his whole thing when he did that solo lap, that rookie mm-hmm. lap. He just said, I just didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> and I've, I've actually never heard someone say that before, where usually they're like, oh, you know, I was really nervous. He just said, I just didn't want to, like, mess up and, like, embarrass anyone. And I just, I, I love what what they've done. And, you know, we've, we've been privileged enough to spend time with Jerome. And Mr. Aginla is just the, the consummate professional. And you can feel it just emanating through his uh, 15-year-old son. Like, it's it's a great news story. And when we selected him, the, the heel movie, you guys are playing NWO, <laughs> leading, in, leading into my, my interview. We picked after the Calgary Hitman did. Oh, so they, could, they could have picked Joe Aguila. They didn't. We did. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So there was, a, there was a lot of fodder hmm. in the system saying the Oil Kings picked the Aguila after Calgary could have. Wow. And uh, we, we're just very fortunate. No pun intended, but I hope he burns him one day. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no question, right? Like, Anyone that, that hears about the rivalry between Edmonton and Calgary, I don't care if it's gas stations or hockey teams. We just want to make sure. And, and Brad, like, you've spent time in both towns. Oh, I know. I, I went down there my first day, and I said Calgary on the radio, oh. and I was hated until I left. Yeah, it didn't go over well. Right? No, it didn't go over well. But the air is much better up here, much, much cleaner and, and, and better. Better sports teams, too. That's well, funny. I'll tell you, I don't, know, like, I don't know how much time we have. Do you have time for a story? Oh, right? yeah, for sure. So years ago, I'm working for the Oilers, and I go down to Calgary to, to just meet with them on business. And as much as we compete on the ice, we're relatively friendly in the boardrooms. And I go down to the Saddle Dome, and it's 9 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. And myself and this other man, Dallas Federchuk, we're down there, and we didn't know where to park. So we asked the lady, like, oh, where do we park? She parked us in the farthest <laughs> corner. We had Oilers uh, golf shirts on. Oh, and you man. don't realize it, right? You just do what you're told. Yeah. And you get out of your car and you look and you're just like, I'll be damned. Like, you got me. <laughs> and it's, it's just like it's 9 o'clock on a Tuesday morning for business meetings. Like The, the rivalry is definitely there. It's real. And what I love the most about it is we hope that Joe Aginla has a long and tenured career in the WHL for the Oil Kings because it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel good when he starts filling the debt for us. And then exactly. the NHL team will have a first-hand look at him for a long time. <laughs> and then when the NHL draft comes along and the Oilers are ahead of the Flames, ooh, uh-huh. that's going to be sweet. <laughs> well, it, it's one of those things that, you know, these kids, they, they, as they're playing for the Oil Kings, they're watching Connor McDavid. They're watching Leon Dreisaitl. They're watching all of these players, you know, the, 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 the pinnacle of success in the NHL. And not that they interact a lot with them, but you, you get that bird's-eye view of seeing the best of the best. And for the players that want to soak it up and okay. take it in, it's right there. And I couldn't imagine being a young player and having the ability to be in the same building as, you know, as a Leon Dreisaitl, as a Carmen McDavid. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just a little extra you never think about, I guess. A lot of other teams wouldn't have that benefit. 
Yeah, like, like not to pick on other teams, but I would have to say that uh, if you were looking at different dressing rooms in the NHL as a junior hockey player, I think there's a lot to emulate in the Evans and Oilers organization. And yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that we never, never uh, are not thankful for being able to play at Rogers Place and to be to be owned by the Oilers organization. Like we are the luckiest team going, and uh, we're very fortunate for that. Well, and it's a great value to come. I want to talk about that a bit too, and some of the events you guys haven't have coming up. I, I know you have a great Elvis afternoon coming up. What's that going to be like? <laughs> so I can tell you that uh, we're, we're doing this big long BC road trip. We don't come back until the 11th of January, which is a Thursday. And then right after that, it's theme games, theme games, theme games. (laughs) And that that Sunday, January the 14th, is an afternoon with Elvis. And the beautiful thing with junior hockey is we get to have a lot of fun. Yeah. If you haven't been to an Oil King game before, it's not like an NHL game. Lots of families, lots of kids, lots of, like, screaming excitement. And we're going to give away a thousand pairs of Elvis sunglasses (laughs) with the sideburns on them. Like, they're hideous, but they're fantastic. Nice. The big gold ones, right? With the holes on them? Absolutely. Yeah, nice. And we even say real kings on the side, so we're going to give out a thousand pairs of those. We've got got an impersonator. We've got the king is going to be here as well. And that's just like one Sunday. And, of course, the beautiful thing with junior hockey is after we're done playing on Sunday, our team comes up and signs autographs on the concourse. Oh, very good. And just that, that's a beautiful thing with junior hockey. It's, it's affordable. Great seats start at $20. We have kids' food combos that start at as low as $7.50. We have eight kids' food combos for under $10. And then after all of that, the team will come up and sign autographs for, for a time after the, the game is done on Sundays. It's just it's a really great experience for families. Nice, and you have another big Sunday coming up at probably the next one on the 21st. We're doing wrestling theme songs today. Talk about what's happening on the 21st. You know what, so again, you get to have a lot of fun. So the following Sunday, Sunday the 21st, we have Love Pro Wrestling, LPW. Their ring is going to be set up right beside our Zamboni. So when the Zamboni's flying by, they can high-five them. You're going to walk in the doors on the 21st of January. You're going to see our players on the ice warming up. You're going to see suplexes and <laughs> clotheslines from the wrestling ring at the same time. So we're actually going to have live matches pre-game and during both the first and second intermission, as well as a lot of wrestling flavor. Uh, throughout the entire game. And, and again, like, that's just one of the beauties of junior hockey is we can set up a wrestling ring and we can have a wide wrestling <laughs> that's while you're watching the players skate around. We've never done it before. Yeah. We couldn't be more excited to have Love Pro Wrestling here on the 21st of January. Yeah, they're a very, very popular and successful local promotion. Are you going to pull the seat back or the, yeah, the seats back by the Zamboni entrance? Is that where the ring's going? That's correct. Yeah. So basically for Oil Kings games, uh, what we do is we collapse those couple sections. We put a stage there. A lot of times there's performances uh, being, you know, whether it be dance or or singing or that type of thing. Like that's one of the beauties of junior hockey is the entertainment is a lot of local kids uh, that are showcasing their talent. And so what we say is we're going to drop our wrestling ring on here. And we start (laughs) talking about this back in July. We measured up our stage. We measured up their ring. It was like light bulbs were going off being like, we can actually do this. And so it's going to be a ton of fun. And if you've met Spencer from Love Pro Wrestling, the guy only knows one one speed, and that's wide open. Yeah. And he, him and his, his his crew were down here, and they were scheming and dreaming, and we couldn't keep up with them. We're like, oh, hold on, hold on. I go, but, yeah, we can't wait. Never been done before at the Oil Kings, and I can tell you that there's a lot of energy around this one. Yeah. The 21st can't come fast enough well, in some, January. Someone's going to be jumping off that Zamboni, so the driver better be careful. 
So just in case the lawyers are listening, that won't happen. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, of course. I think it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some of the other stuff. Just we'll hit on some of the theme nights here. We got Superhero Night coming up. Family Day matinee is always a great one. Uh, hockey Hooky against Calgary. There you go. Uh, Ghostbuster game. What's happening with the Ghostbusters game? So for the, the, people may or may not be aware, but there's actually a local troupe of Alberta Ghostbusters. And so they dress up in the garb. Like they look just like the Ghostbusters you've seen on television. And they come fully dressed up, taking photos. They have their own Echo One car. So we're actually going to be celebrating Ghostbusters. And here, I'll tip my hat to the the listeners. I didn't realize there was a new Ghostbusters movie coming out uh, this spring. I had no idea. When we when we signed up to do Ghostbusters night, it just looks like we know what we're doing. <laughs> Perfect timing. The movie comes out in March. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's fantastic. And there's a car in town. There's a ghost. Somebody has a Ghostbusters car in town. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a more modernized uh, Echo One, but okay. it, it's got like, ground effects on it the whole bit. Yeah, I, I parked next to them at Costco at the gas station one day, so that was pretty exciting. Come on, they're actually going shopping with us? Yeah, they had it. They're at Costco. They're filling up their Ghostbuster car. <laughs> hey, if I, I had it. that thing, I'd drive it around. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you got Military Appreciation Night, Fan Appreciation Night, and the Team Awards game. So lots happening. How can How can people get tickets? Well, you know what's, what's funny is there's only 14 home games left. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. We're just about to turn over the calendars to January. The the WHL season, it ends a little faster than the NHL season. So we're done the third week of March. We have 14 home games left, five in January, five in February, four in March. So you want to make sure you don't delay. All of these great theme games are coming at you fast. Go to our website, oilkings.ca. Great seats start at $20. Kids food combos, eight of them for $10 or less. And if you haven't been, please take this as my invitation to come join us here at Rogers Place. It's a great time. Excellent. Well, we look forward to seeing you down there. You have a great New Year's, and uh, we'll see you when you're back in town. Thanks so much. We really appreciate the time. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for joining us. That's Kevin Rodomsky, Director of Business Operations and Alternative Government Gov- Governor for the Edmonton Oil Kings right here on the Lowdown with Low Tide, powered by Wolf GMC. This is coming to the end. My my two-day debut, two-day show debut with Brad Slater is coming to an end. It's been an absolutely honor to fill in Low Tide. I didn't really fill in. I just took the space for a couple days. So, Brad, thanks for your help. Thanks for keeping... Should I chant? Like, you suck! Exactly. That's why you we played suck. this song. Should I start chanting it? No? Okay. Go Whatever you need to do. But thanks, Brad, for all your help. And thanks for listening, everybody. Low Tide, we look forward to having you back on Tuesday. And I won't be so nervous. And I'll be able to sleep at night. That'll be great. On behalf of Brad Slater, this is Marty Stevens, Sports 1440. Keep listening. Coming up next is the Jason Greger Show with Connor Alley. We will uh, talk to you later. Thanks.